Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, excited podcaster, ready to do this with you guys on yet another Sunday. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys another week. So it has been memory mayhem month. But you have to like picture my Looney Tunes music going on when there's like the chase and you see whomever getting chased and they've got on that fast paced music. So that's like my little drum solo of, yeah, it's a fail, but still I do it because it's fun. But let's get right into things today, you guys. Recapping, if you have not heard episode one and episode two on memory mayhem, please check them out. We talked about the toddler time. We talked about the infant time. Today, we're going to get into the impressive wonders of a toddler because all of the great stuff is coming together that you've been working so hard on for those last three years. And now they are officially preschoolers with thoughts and ideas and they're showing and expanding and they're putting it together. So let's talk about it. But before we do, again, recap. Recap one, infants learn through experiences that they can see and do. So if they can't see it and you didn't do it, then it doesn't exist. Toddlers expand on that because of object permanence. Now they can recall things that are not there. So that's where the separation anxiety gets real. Now you might see a little bit of that like during the infant years where they get like the quiver lip when mom and dad goes away. But by the toddler years, oh my, they can now put words to it. And so they're telling you how they feel when you go away, when you're not around, if you were gone for a long period of time, like they're going to remind you of that because again, They knew that you weren't there. They know that you still exist when you're not there. Third thing, the language boom is happening during those toddler years, right? And the reason is, is because, well, sugar now has the visual image of multiple objects. And this is where you see nouns increasing like crazy. And that's our person, place, and thing. But you also are going to hear them put some actions with it. So mommy go to work. I play. He hit. She kicked, cat growled. So you'll hear them put those those actions with it, but then you'll also hear them put a pronoun with it because now they're starting to separate the I and the you and the me and the he and the she. So you might hear them use pronoun plus noun plus verb action. So it's really, really cool to see what's going on and what the little sugar's memories are holding on to during this time. Because remember, language is a symbol system. And holding on to those memories allows them to take those symbols and bring them to the forefront and use them. And not only can they use them, but they can also understand when you're using symbols, verbal symbols, nonverbal symbols. So it's pretty cool what's going on there. And if working memory is not working the way that we want it to during this time, then we know that we can be super proactive to increase the follow through with simple tips with simple things. So if they're not doing great holding on to information at this point, then again, we can provide actions and help them through that and make things super simple for them so they can get from point A to point B to build on that because now the working memory during this time is going crazy. And finally, number four, as a reminder, 
working memory is a basic mental task that is important for both learning and doing everyday things. So like, for example, if every single day, little sugar is supposed to put his shoes in the cubby, then he or she has been doing that all this time. And so now they know that shoes go in the cubby or if the toys go in the box or if the spoon goes in the sink or whatever it is, that task they've been doing over and over and over again. So not only do they have the label, not only can they describe the action that goes along with it, but now they remember what's supposed to happen with that object. If that is not cool, I don't know what is. I think it's pretty cool. So today's episode, we're going to be exploring the preschool memory. And these people, they're just simply fun because they're taking it and they're, they're expanding it and they're applying it. And it's so cool to watch this unfold because not only do, again, they have that symbol system, but the memory is expanding like no other. Before we get into that, first things first, what is happening with the preschool brain? Well, preschoolers during this time, they can categorize, they can reason, and they can problem solve. So let's think about categorizing things. Categorizing is knowing that the animals are the animals. The letters are the letters. The numbers are the numbers. The food is not the toy. The toy is not the food. The adults sit at the adult table in some families. The kids sit at the kitty tables in other families, right? They can reason. I want to wear my raincoat because it's the best flower raincoat in the world. And so, you know, there's a little bit of negotiation. But, and you're like, baby, but it's 90 degrees outside. But I think that I should be able to wear this coat because I love it so much. And it's so beautiful and it's amazing. And you're like, yep but it's still 90 degrees outside, but they're going to try to like reason with you and negotiate with you a little bit more. And it's the funniest thing ever because they totally think that they're right. And they think that you should think that they're right and that you should be in a hundred percent agreement with them because they don't quite understand at this point that you're not going to always agree. Isn't that interesting? Like their reasoning is not quite there to where they're like, Mommy and daddy have a, have, have a right to disagree. And so that's why they're trying to push their agenda so much during this time. Also, though, on the flip note, problem solving is increasing. Their problem solving skills are increasing. So you might see them and everybody has seen that preschooler where they're like trying to get their pants up and they're like muddling around because they don't quite have that coordination and they're like all over the place. And like half of the pants, the part where the seam is on the side of the leg, it's like in the front where the zipper <laughs> and the button is because <laughs> they can get the pants up, but they can't quite get the whole situation together to where it looks the way that it's supposed to look. And that's when you as, as mommy and daddy have to not laugh at them, but maybe say, hey, little sugar, go look in the mirror and check things out and see if you can adjust that. And then you're going to see them in the mirror muddling. And you should just sit back for a second and laugh and enjoy that moment and then help them out. I mean, help them out at some point, but laugh though, please laugh. <laughs> Number two, sugars can recognize more than they can recall information. Remember, working memory being established at this time. What's working memory? Again, putting the brain to work for the short term. They're discerning at this time what stuff gets stored in the long term. What stuff stays and I could just kind of get rid of it. So they're not going to remember 10 years from now, like the park experience with the random girl that they never saw again. 
But if they had that park experience every single week, once a week, then that they will probably remember. Because again, the memory is getting the the memory is getting reinforced over and over and over again and possibly stored into the long-term memory. Now, will they remember every park experience with the little girl? No. But will they have like a flashback? Yes. And when they see her, will they get excited? Absolutely. So like again, they can recognize more than they can recall during this time. Three, they can compare past information with current information. So maybe the weather is super sunny outside and they'll say, well, well, it was raining yesterday and today it's sunny. And they might even get the time mixed up because they still don't have time quite figured out yet. So like last week might legit be one hour ago (laughs) or last week might be like a day or two ago. So it really just it depends, but they can compare that past information with the current stuff. The next thing, number four, they can use routine to define understanding of events. And that right there is so important. And we're going to talk more about that later, how routine plays such an important role in being able to make sense of what's going on around you and what's going on around in their world. And so the more that we keep things systematic, and if you notice, Like over the year, I've talked about keeping things as systematic as possible for a reason for them because it really helps with their mental organization. But now they're using the routine to define understanding of events. So much for saving that till later, y'all, huh? (laughs) Number five, the sense of time, again, is slowly being established. And I touched on that a little bit where yesterday can be a month ago or uh, tomorrow can be later on today. Or if you tell them five minutes, they're probably going crazy because five minutes in their mind can be anything from next week to an hour from now. (laughs) And they're just, they're not quite there yet. And so my, my, hey, this is my tip to you world changers out there. Dude, if you have any kind of timer, anything with a timer that shows like a countdown, I would give them that. I would use that as a reinforcer just so they'll know that, hey, look, the time is clicking. And soon as it gets to zero, it's almost there. And you can provide that reinforcer so they're not asking every two seconds, is it time yet? 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 But it's also crucial during this time that we correct them as needed. Like they need us to correct them when they get that information confused because guess what? You're still the language model. You're still the model to help them organize and make sense of the things that are still a little bit murky. Number six, my favorite one. You guys are going to crack up at this one. I do every time. Again, sugars, their their object permanence, it's just, it's insane. Um, The way that they see people and understand time is not quite the way that adults reason with time. Like for example, The doctor lives at the doctor's office. Did you know that for a preschooler? They straight up live there. You can ask them, where does the doctor live, sugar? In the doctor's office. Prove me wrong in this one. Go out into the community and run into like a teacher or some other community person and watch the look on their face when they're looking at them like, can they actually leave the building we see them in? What? 
Yes, because it's not quite logical because they don't quite have a firm grasp on, hey, teacher probably has a husband, a home, a family, um, you know, things outside of that, maybe even a dog. And so they don't know that, like they don't get it. They think the teacher lives there and that the doctor lives at the doctor office and they should always be there. But again, that's when we step in as the world changer and we say, sugar, no, 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 Miss Teacher can leave the building. As a matter of fact, Miss Teacher has a whole house that she lives at with kids and a dog and a pony and whatever else is there. It's a great experience for her. And so we help them through that so they can make sense that, oh, they don't live there. I'm telling you, watch, watch next time it happens. You guys are going to crack up when you see the look on their face. Like you should plan it on, on just for general principle, just to see what they do. <laughs> And again, I cannot help but overemphasize that during this time that we have to help them develop and expand that memory during this time because we're creating this pavement. Again, foundation is still happening during this time. So we can't just wipe off, wipe you know, our hands clean and be like, oh, well, yeah, those were a good two or three years. I've done my part. They're using sentences and it is time to go to Tahiti. Not quite yet, y'all. We want to make sure that we are helping them out during this time because they need to develop a sense of self-continuity, personal identity. Memories during this time help our sugars determine how they recall experiences or events like if a pet died. It's important during this time to not just flush Fluffy the goldfish down the toilet and be like, oh man, he was a good fish but actually like talk through it with little sugar and just let them know how they might possibly feel or let them put a label to that. I've even had a podcast episode with Dr. Donna Coltrane Battle where she talks about like drawing your feelings. That might be a good time when something traumatic like that happens, just sitting down and drawing out your feelings while you're talking about it. Maybe they draw a sad face. Oh, sugar, why did you draw that sad face? Because my goldfish died. Oh man, he was such a good goldfish. I love that goldfish. He would just swim around that tank and he was doing amazing flips and things. Man, they're probably not gonna make another one like him, but we might be able to buy another one. What do you think? But just allowing them to have that feeling and even when they bring it up again, you give them the space and you give them the permission to process that stuff. Another thing, like a move. A move is another huge thing. Little Sugar might come to you like, oh, I'm gonna miss my bedroom and I'm gonna miss my friend next door and I'm gonna miss my favorite tree and the tire swing and just letting them go through that process and bring up those feelings and bring up those emotions because during this time, again, they're trying to make sense of the world around them and they're trying to make sense of themselves and they're still, they're developing their emotions as they go along, like you don't stop at two and go from like happy to cry and that's going to sustain you for the rest of your life. Like you need to be able to like embark on different emotions and be able to process those emotions and make sense of those emotions and recall these experiences and these events. So not just a bunch of sad stuff either. Also like the best day ever. The best day ever should be talked about. Why was that the best day ever? Oh my gosh, we went to the, the amusement park and we got on the kitty roller coaster and it was the coolest thing ever. And then Minnie Mouse held my hand and walked me around the theme park and I felt like the biggest princess ever. Yes, talk about that stuff. Let them talk about it because it helps them identify how they felt in that moment. And guess what? You might have different feelings attached to that. Like, 
I saw that big old Minnie Mouse come up to us and I was ready to go hide under the bench. I don't quite understand why their eyes are so big or why their body is so just, I don't know, I don't get it. So again, this helps separate them from you, but it also shows them that, hey, mom and dad might have different feelings for the same actual experience. So letting them have that space to talk about that and even bringing up those memories about how you felt and how was it is, oh my gosh, so important. Next, it serves as a direct function to guide their behavior. Yes, yes, when you can bring up old memories, you can help them guide how they behave the next time. For example, making decisions to avoid past mistakes. So this is why I I, I have not directly talked about it, but I can give my little two cent soup talk real quick on deflecting. This is when I say, world changers, please don't deflect. Do not distract sugar when it gets thick and, and murky and uncomfortable. Like they need the space to be able to process through those feelings and emotions so they can cope the next time something's going to happen because life, I guarantee you, is going to happen at some point. But if they're always waiting for somebody to deflect or help them deflect, then you're not giving them the chance to deal with. And we need to give them that chance to deal with. So like, for example, let's talk about, you know, when they fell off of that tricycle, like let's not bring it up every day. And and please, let's not be spiteful about it either. Remember, I told you, you know, when you go off of that curb like that, you're going to fall off your bicycle. Remember I said that? Well, no, let's not quite do that either. Like, let's show them a little bit of grace and help them through that process. Hey, sugar, remember the last time you went that way, you fell down. What are we going to do different? Maybe how they felt when the dog barked. Oh my gosh. Maybe it sent them halfway up the tree when the dog barked and came their way. How did that feel? Then a deeper conversation can come out of that. Well, are all doggies like that? No, not all doggies are like that. Are some like that? Well, probably we have to use a little wisdom when little Sparky comes around. What's the look on Sparky's face? Can we look at Sparky's emotions and see how he's feeling and be a little bit cautious and careful when Sparky comes around? Or, ooh, this is the ring dinger. This is guaranteed to elicit the quiver lip when mom or dad yells, oh, God. You know, my son is eight now and I can do a lot of things. I can. I can't yell at him. Matter of fact, I fussed at him yesterday because I thought he did not hear me when I asked him to turn off the TV and go and get himself prepared for bed. And he came up to me in the hallway. I kid you, world changers, not. I kid you not. He came up to me and he was like, yeah, um, mom. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like bouncing around because he's eight and he's got this high pitched voice. And he's like, uh, when you came to me and was telling me about the remote, I just want to let you know that I heard you and you didn't need to tell me again. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Like, we're not going to talk to me like that. Like, let's try that again. What, what are you really trying to tell me? How do you want me to resolve this with you in future? Uh, can you just trust that I'm going to hear you the next time? And I'm like, the eight-year-old wants me to trust that I'm going to hear him the next time. Okay, eight-year-old, I'm going to do it. Hey, look, he actually does listen. I'm going to tell you guys that he does listen. But, you know, just giving them that space to think about the past mistakes, the decisions that they make, reflecting on the decisions, even asking, why did you make that decision? 
and asking it not in a condescending or a mean way or even like a punitive way, but in a way to spark up conversation so they can start developing the reflective gene so where they can reflect on what they did and how they can not do it in the future and what they can do to avoid mom or dad yelling and being mad at them. So you don't have to have an eight-year-old come up to you in the hallway and tell you how they felt about not being on task when you talk to them. I'm just, I'm just saying (laughs) y'all. And next, social bonding memories. This is key. Social bonding memories is so foundational during this point. They're friends, their early relationships, reading with mom and dad, maybe, or even pre-COVID and now schools are opening back up. So maybe like a peer, an older peer came and read to them and did like a, a reading exchange kind of thing. Those, oh my gosh, kids go bananas over older kids who come and read to them or come and do stuff with them and come and do activities with them because they're learning from them and they think that they are total rock stars. So experiences like that, talking to them about those kind of memories, that's super helpful for them. It just helps their relationships with other people around and how they perceive the world around them. Also experiences with their friends, the good, the bad, and the murky. Murky is my word today, y'all. Because I mean, all of these things happen, but we can also help them during that time when things go really good. And we can talk to them about what was it that made it really good? What was it that made it really murky? And what can you do to talk to your friend in the future about how you felt? And then when the next play day comes along, you can remind them, hey, now remember, if this happens, now they're drawing from old experiences, right? You know what to say to your friend So they won't do that again. Or remember what they said to you about how they don't like that. And you know not to do that next time. So remember, then that's when we can start teaching. Be respectful, respect other people's space and make sure that they respect yours. That's totally appropriate at this age because guess what? These are like little tiny citizens. They're like little cute little soldiers and they're like, attention, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you're absolutely right. Just give me the space to think about it, right? Right. Another thing. Kind preschool teachers, kind teachers, no kid forgets their preschool teacher. I loved my kindergarten teacher. I don't remember too much about my preschool teacher, but I do remember my kindergarten teacher and she used to give me lots of books to read. She knew that was my jam. And and I remember that. And again, that was a positive experience for me at that time. And it's during around that preschool time. And so, I mean, just make sure world changers that we're doing this with our sugars because the outcomes of this are just phenomenal. The sugars who are able to recall and recognize these past events, they have healthier psychological well-being because they can make sense of what happened and they can reason with how to avoid certain things that they don't like and they can problem solve because they've processed through it over and over and over again. They've done it to the point of where it's part of their everyday routine to think about and process that stuff. So. You might be asking by now, what can we do as world changers to make sure that this is happening? Well, continue to work on the working memory. Asking the complex WH questions, not like a test. Life is not a test. We're not quizzing these little sugars, but we're just asking about things that happen in their environment, in their life, in their space, in those experiences. How did you feel? Oh man, I felt like this, but how did you feel? And maybe I interpreted it differently. Or maybe they're not 
you know, great at using their words and that's not their jam. They may not want to express it in that way, but maybe they want to color it out or maybe they want to act it out or maybe they want to story it out, whatever it is, right? Just make sure to give them the space to do that. Next, pull out feelings, thoughts, and ideas. Oh, this is so crucial to help them during this time. Now, pulling out feelings does not mean that you're telling them how they feel assuming how they feel and not giving them the space to report to you how they feel. That is a recipe for disaster, world changers. This is where we become great listeners and we do less talking. You have put in all the work. So now it's time to listen and figure out how to guide them because as much as your sugar is a part of you, at the same time, they're their own person. And so again, it goes back to that Minnie Mouse scenario. Like they might see Minnie Mouse and be like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. And you might see that same Minnie Mouse and be like hiding behind a tree. So make sure that you're allowing them the space to express their own personal thoughts, their own personal feelings, and also validating that it's okay to feel that way. Even if you don't agree and you need to like redirect the emotions and help them, again, you're shaping it. And that's when you as the world changer can help reason with them. Listening, correcting, and exploring. I just talked about listening. So I'm not going to talk about that again. I'm not going to talk about correcting because I just talked about that and I'm not going to talk about it again. But exploring, yes, we explore the world around us. We explore through our experiences. They still need hands-on stuff. So now is not the time again to be like, oh, Tahiti, here's your iPad and your passport and... I'm going on vacation and you do your thing because I've done my part. No, 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 you guys. I want you guys to continue to explore with them. Explore in a way that's appropriate for them. Continue to see the world around them. Continue to expose them to literature. Continue to expose them to things that like open up their mind and shape the possibilities in a way to where they just see this world in such a larger place because remember the doctor still lives at the doctor's office and it's until they go out into the world (laughs) and explore and see stuff outside of themselves are they able to make sense of hey not everybody lives like me not everybody does things the way that my family unit does not everybody xyz and whatever that is you can do that for them world changers and it costs you nothing but time next Continuing to build up language. This can happen through exploring. This can happen through listening. This can happen through those WH questions. The more language sugar can pull from, the more they can describe memories. And the more we expose them to language, diverse language, over and over and over again, the more they store that language into their long term memory and then pull it when they need it. And so it's crucial that we, again, give them that time so they can build up that language. It's so important. These two things go hand in hand so much so. We give them the language so they can build up their memory. We give them, we we help them expand on their memories and they're going to use the language to communicate about that. It's a symbol system. They need the symbol system, but they also need to hold on to that information. And the only way that they're holding on to that information is by continual use and practice. So think about it like the treadmill. You get on the treadmill and you run. Oh, wait, nope, not the treadmill, y'all. The Peloton, you get on the Peloton and you're going and you're being coached and you went hard. Ooh, 30 minutes later, you're feeling buff. 
and then you get off and you don't see it a month later. Tell me what your muscles do. Mm-hmm. Epsom salt bath. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. So again, we build up over and over and over again. We make it part of their routine. And this can happen every single day on the way to school, on the way home, after work. However you can fit it in, this can be totally functional while you're cooking during daily transitions. You can talk to them. We never want to stop exposing them to language. We have to stay diligent about that and continue to draw on their imagination. We'll get more into that in episode four. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. I promise. So finally, what if my sugar has not reached earlier milestones? Well, we're going to work with sugar where they are because we have to start somewhere and we push to purpose. We're, we're looking for progress, right? And so we don't stop working with sugars because they're not where we expect them to be. We work with them even more to get them to where we need to go. So this is where it's crucial for us to meet them where they are so we can continue to push to progress. We recognize that progress is progress. Progress is progress. Is sugar doing more this week than they were doing last week? Is sugar doing more last week than they were doing, you know, two weeks prior to? Is sugar doing more a month later than what they were doing a month before? We're looking at that. What variables, what things are we changing around our environment to expect sugar to change? What are we doing, right? Because it's not just the change that we want to see in them. It also has to do with the changes that we put into place so they can have different expectations. Because if we're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and we're not seeing progress, then guess what, world changers? That's considered insanity. So let's stay away from that. Let's stay away from that. We'll agree that we're going to stay away from insanity, but we're going to measure objectively and think about what is my sugar doing? And is this realistic for expectations, not based on what some other world changers sugar is doing, but based on what your sugar is doing week by week, month by month, are you seeing progress? And if not, and if you're seriously not seeing progress and you're putting all these things into play, then it might be time to get a referral so somebody else can do an assessment and help you out and give you strategies and tools and tips. And finally, 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 I touched on it. Seek support. Seek support. If sugar is not making progress and you've put all these things into place, I'm telling you, an extra set of eyes with the heart of a teacher, not just with the heart of a teacher for the sugar to meet their goals, but also to teach you how to carry out this stuff. And it's appropriate and functional for you guys as, as a family. That's who you want. That's golden. And that's going to take you long long, long ways because it's going to sustain you outside of those services because it's going to be stuff that matters to you guys, that's functional to you guys, that's relatable to you guys, and most importantly, it's tailored to you guys. So remember, world changers, we are still our sugar's world. You're going to have to rip up that Tahiti vacation, unless you're taking sugar with you. It's not quite time throwing the towel yet. It's not. We're not there yet, world changers. We still got fun work to do. We got stuff to do. Let's go hang out, be proactive, work on that working memory. Think of, think of the Peloton bike over and over and over again. We got to work it out if we want to see it expand and get better, right? So the foundation that we created now, it's going to last a lifetime. Next week, next week, 
I'm going to be talking teaching tools. And I even refrained today from talking about tools. I did well for myself because usually I don't do so well, but today I did well. I'm proud of myself. So I, I want us next week to talk about just tools. That's all we're going to talk about next week. Tools for infants, tools for toddlers, and tools for preschoolers, because now it's time to put this stuff into action. And I'm going to give you guys some good old hands-on stuff that you can do as soon as you're done listening to that episode. Now, world changers, for the business side of things, if you have not subscribed to I've Got This Kid, I would love for you to be part of the community. Also, if you are enjoying what you are hearing, please share with a friend or share episodes, tips, and advice on your page. All social media links can be found below, along with all sources from this episode. I'm having too much fun today, y'all. I promise I am. Continue to send in your questions, world changers, because remember, there's no such thing as a silly question, rather an unanswered question. So I want to hear from you guys. Until the next time, world changers, take care.